This is Psychotherapy, and I'm Jet Dunlap. Episode 67, Halfway to Heaven. <laughs> the last, This episode you're about to listen inspired me, which I'm sorry, because remember, I'm not supposed to be inspirational. I mentioned that in the episode. My wife said, when I started this, don't become a motivational speaker, and I do my best not to. So, I, I mean, you know, most of the stuff I tell you is negative and sad. And just by looking at my life, you go, well, his life really sucks. Uh, maybe my life's a little better. I hope that's what's happening. I mean, I don't hope for my sake, but maybe whatever it is that inspires you. This episode was supposed to be about another remote conversation with myself. Now, let's explain if you didn't hear the last episode. The last episode, I took audio from what happened to me in the moment, in this case, a tire blowout. I was at the mechanics place and I talked to you about what I felt at that moment and told you the analysis of it afterwards. And I hope that helped. Uh, I think that people have been liking it. I think it's special because I'm giving you emotion in real time. This episode has emotion in real time without having to go remote. So I think you'll understand. Well, I mean, why would I think you're going to understand? You're going to be listening to the episode in a second. It's very windy right now where we are, but I talk about that a lot, so I won't go into it. That's in the episode. Yeah, this one was a instantaneous inspiration episode. Uh, I felt it and I spoke to it. I wasn't planning on doing a podcast today. I just, I don't know. You know, it was one of those ones that just kind of came through me. So without further ado, yesterday was the Oscars, which is meaningless. I did put up on Facebook. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? You don't care about the Oscars. I'm not going to talk about the Oscars because uh, it just leads me down a uh, tunnel of uh, anger. (laughs) And my comment on Facebook last night was that I wasn't going to participate in that. So I'm not going to participate in on the shows. The shows? The show, Jet. So without any further ado, this time I already said, uh, this is psychotherapy. Uh, this is psychotherapy. What? You don't even know what to say, Jet? What do you, you don't even know what to say? This is psychotherapy. I am Jet Dunlap. And here comes the music. By the way, I composed this music myself. That's not a joke. I actually did that. Okay, here you go. I mean, composed... <laughs> I put it together on a computer. Okay. This is the show. 67. Bye. So it is a blustery day out here in Chatsworth, California, and in most of Los Angeles, although we get hit with it pretty hard because the Santa Susana winds go right over my house because we are in the Santa Susana Pass. As I am speaking to you, and as you know, nothing is more brilliant and amazing than me talking about trees that are blowing in the wind. But I'm looking at my orange tree and my lemon trees and my pepper trees, and they are being blown hard by the wind. Is that not vivid? That's more than 4K you're getting right now. So uh, that's the thing. Here it's a little difficult because Gina and I have to literally like batten down the hatches. Well, not literally. (laughs) I don't know what battening down the hatches is, but uh, we do have to walk around because, you know, we live in a very, um, well, it's like a campsite. So we live in the RV. So the RV has a very small fridge and uh, it's an amazing fridge because we've had, it's an amazing fridge. Ask anybody. Um, (laughs) It's It's an amazing fridge, though. It works off propane or electric, and we use it on the electric side that runs off solar. But because it's in an RV, the fridge isn't very large. So we have another uh, fridge outside that is also solar, but that keeps 
a good amount of food in it. We call the fridge Greg because I found a magnet on the floor that said Greg, and I told Gina, because she lives with a madman, now the back fridge is called Greg, so when you're looking for something, be like, hey, can you check Greg to see if he has any bread? It amuses me, so we do that. And then we have a lot of outbuildings. We have a lot of stuff just outside. We have two coolers in front of the place that keep non-perishable, like protein bars and chips and peanuts and stuff like that. That's out front, and then the fridge is on the side. And uh, a lot of our stuff ends up being outside because we're, you know, using it and it's fine there. And the weather usually in Southern California is pleasant enough. So when it rains, which it did do two days ago, we have to... uh, Why do I have such problems with words? I don't know. We'll figure it out one day. We uh, have to go around the place like when you're camping. And if you haven't experienced this, it's... Well, it's like living out in the world, you know? It's... When the weather changes to be hot, everything that could be damaged by heat, we have to move. Um, even if it's in our little place that we call the mountain house, mountain house, which is a playhouse that was built before we moved in here that Gina, I guess, played with when she was a kid. She doesn't have any real memories of it. But it looks like a two-story little tiny house. And uh, it's small. I mean, you came and st- you have to hunch completely downstairs and the same thing with upstairs. But, you know, custom made, not like one of those play school ones. I don't know if that's a thing either. But... Uh, We keep stuff in there and you have to move stuff around when it's hot or move stuff around when it's windy. And when it's rainy, we have to put tarps on certain things Um, like our trailer that we take when we go camping. It's okay when we go camping, but uh, as far as water tightness, but when it's parked, it could, after a long period of time, start to leak inside and get our camping gear because that's where we keep our camping gear. So we have to put tarps over that. We have to take off the cushions to all the outdoor furniture because we spend most of our time outside. I say all that to say that you can actually spend a lot of time just dealing with the daily activity of responding to weather conditions when you live like us. And that's actually pretty rad. It's something that when I was back in my corporate days, I want to streamline everything, right? I want to think, I don't want to deal with anything that's outside of my pay grade. I'm Jet Dunlap, and I am a intellectual, intelligent, I'm paid for my words. I used to say, anytime I'm not speaking, the client is not getting any value. So I didn't want to do anything that was manual, even though every day I went running to keep myself from going insane. But what I did realize when I moved here, and kind of realized, or you know, also realized when I was camping, is that I do a lot better when I have more tasks. Because of my ADD, or whatever the case is, I have a harder time with idle time. How many times have I told you that? I mention it a lot because I think a lot of people's instinct is what advertising sells them. I think that we think that we want to be relaxed. I think that we want to just think about doing nothing. That's what they want. That's the goal, right? That's what the the matrix pill they sell you when you get a corporate job or when you're in college. College is a a terrible place that no one should go to that uh, is a recruiting tool to get you into a day job that squashes and defeats your creativity so you can be put into the cogs of the machinery of society that only promotes the largest corporations. Is that a little dramatic? Is that a little too hippie? It's how I feel. I went to college, and I can't think of a single teacher, one teacher I had that I really liked, and it was a guy in Santa Cruz who taught history. He was young, he was fun, and I dug him. But the rest of them were just trying to get their paycheck, hiding behind tenure, um, And I didn't like it. I have a lot of family members who are in that profession, including my mother. I like saying that because I know she listens and that would disturb her. But uh, (laughs) 
she's, I'm sure, a great teacher, and my aunt's a great teacher, and I have a lot of aunts who are great teachers, I assume. They may be horrible, horrible people, as a matter of fact. One of my aunts, I think right now, I'm thinking of, uh, I would probably hate to take her class, and uh, and I'm not going to say which one, but uh, she's probably a bit of a hard ass. My point is, unlike what school and society tells you to do, I think that dealing with the outdoors and dealing with changing weather conditions gives you a very high appreciation and understanding of what the environment's doing. So Gina and I, since we've lived here for almost five years, you really know what season's windy. You know when the fire conditions are bad. You know just by sensing when it's going to start to rain. And that's funny and true, is that you know how you always hear in those old novels, if your stupid teachers taught you to read the right books, but you hear in those old novels where it's like, old Jim's knees started to get a little craggy and he knew the rain was coming. Well, I'm not old Jim, but I can tell by the air when the rain is coming. And a lot of that probably had to do with camping. But then when you leave camping, you come back into the world and you forget. But living up here in the hills, having that exposure to the environment as much as we do really gives you an appreciation. And furthermore, to close out this topic, because it's not the topic of the show, I will say that anyone who is forced to camp for a month, I don't have the budget or the resources or the means to do any of these mental experiments other than in my mind. But I guarantee you take the worst, most money-grubbing anti-environmentalist and you make him live outside. I'm saying him. Wow. Okay. Or her. I shouldn't be sexist. Uh, There are female monsters out there who are terrible too. Let's not forget. If you make that individual sleep outside for a month, you know, in the woods, in the desert, anywhere, they're going to have a profound appreciation for the grandeur of this environment that we live in. There's no way they couldn't. That's that's immersion therapy, you know? I wish I could do that. Maybe when you guys finally start telling people about who this Jet Dunlap cat is, uh, not the real cat, if you named your cat Jet Dunlap. Uh, thank you, by the way, but I'm allergic to him. So am I trying to pitch you on the idea that I should put, is that a reality show, getting tyrannical corporate monsters into like backpacking to give them an appreciation of nature? Maybe. Give me the resources. We'll see what happens. Tell your friends about this show. Anyway, that is not today's topic. Although it is a little bit of a sidebar and it is a little bit of a look into my life. Sometimes I think that I've told you guys everything there is to know about how I live. But the true nature of living inside of an RV in this very, uh, how would I put it? I don't think I want to say rustic, but we do, myself and Gina, shower outside So when I've been working all day, like I did the other day on set, and I'll go into that story in a second, uh, I come home and I shower under the stars. And when the super moon was going on, I turn on the propane take, I reach under our little uh, wooden fence that we built and uh, with aluminum flashing so it doesn't rot the wood for the shower. And I reach under and I turn on the propane tank and I have to take a shower quickly because the wind knocks out the gas that is in the propane activator that gives the uh, the flame that actually gives the instant heat. So you have to shower in between and turn the shower on and off to ignite the propane. You do that under the stars. And I'm not sure, because you listen to me and you're thinking, this isn't the best adjusted guy in the world. He's not some Zen, you know, Buddhist genius. But I think there is something that comes through me without me knowing that is a result of living outdoors, living in a very raw environment, and showering outside every day. I think there's, I'll tell you what it is. I think that my brain is not co-opted 
in the way that most people's are. And I kind of coined that phrase the other day when I was doing an episode and it came to me organically how when I worked at AT&T and then when I started going into the environment of other jobs and even when I left AT&T to pursue my passion in film and television, I got into producing and then producing had an office and I was trying to get people's money and I got co-opted again into uh, not pursuing my dream, which is principal photography and film, being able to show people through the lens what it is I uniquely see whether it's through still photography or motion pictures, I started to get interested in the money again, and then I stopped that. And it's that slow thing that I totally believe and fully believe comes through school. Um, there's a couple of books on it. Uh, one of the ones I read was The Conspiracy of the Rich by Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, that ta- and then I read Rockefeller's book, his entire biography. It was like, dude, it was like 60 hours of audio. And you get to hear how these founders of modern corporation really did put a lot of money into education to create an environment that makes the student willful participants in this machine that makes you believe that you're born, you go to school because your parents tell you to, then you go to college because they tell you that's the best way to get a good job, you get a job, that job tells you what to do, then the entire time you're at your job, you're living for the weekend. And then when you get a little older, the only reason you're working hard is because you want to retire. And then by the time you retire, if you're a man, you live an average of about five to seven years after retirement. So that plan, although I've been very passive in my opinions, is the wrong plan. Okay? You were not born to be a cog, right? I mean, do you feel like you were? Do you look in the mirror or can you remember when you were a kid? Did you think of yourself as one day I hope that I'm an assistant manager in HR for a glass company? I don't think so. And by the way, if that's your job, how funny is that? I'm not saying that you can't do great things after work, raise incredible children, have incredible hobbies. That's great. That's a piece of it. But I think that if I was to take the gloves off, A giant gust of wind just came through. I wonder if that's the uh, ghosts of corporate past trying to uh, distract me. Well, it didn't work. I believe that we are given this incredible capability as a conscious, sentient being where we get to ourselves create. So I believe that in different realms of incarnation, you have more basic creatures. I mean, that's not even a belief. Like a dog doesn't really get to create, right? We get to make things. We get to take something that doesn't exist and and make it exist, whether that's a painting, whether that's a book, whether that's making someone laugh, whether that's playing the guitar, whether that's any of the things that you can do that take nothing and turn it into something. That is my definition of creativity lately, by the way, taking a thing that didn't exist and making it something that existed. And if that resonates with people, that's incredible. And if it resonates with a lot of people, even better. But if you do it just for the sake of you, the creator inside of you that wants to do something, and then you, the observer, sees the creation, there's a satisfaction in that. You know, I'm obsessed with before and afters, whether it's a mountain during the summer and a mountain during the winter, whether it's the progress of a tree growing, whether it's my body when I was heavy and now that it's thin whether it's the start of a project on our outdoor trailer or our RV. There's nothing that Gina and I, as a matter of fact, nothing, if you came to our house, that exists here now existed five years ago. 
This was a complete dirt hill. Now it has a porch. Now it has a beautiful paver walkway over to Greg, our fridge. Now it has, you know, this incredible stacked multi-level outdoor space. You know, it's got the grass area, then the trees. We've planted all this. And uh, we've taken what the environment has, by the way. So like for the trees, we didn't cut any of them. We built our porch around it, which I always thought was really cool. If you go to those like hip, um, like, uh, what do you put it? Like restaurants or galleries in LA or places up the coast where they've built the structure around the tree and the trees like going straight through it. So we did that. And none of that existed before. And now it exists and it's really cool. Now I'm ready to move on because I want to continue doing this, but I'm trying to encourage you to explore and reignite more accurately reignite that creativity in you or passion people say passion i think frivolously because i don't think you need to have a passion for it i think you have to have a curiosity that's how mine starts you know i never it's funny i'd never done any woodwork before i moved here really i had done yard work uh, a lot when i was a kid because as you know i did uh I did like landscaping and yard work for my dad and then around the neighborhood and then for my grandparents and stuff like that. And then I did janitorial stuff with my dad when I was a kid. So I knew a little bit about plumbing and, but nothing about like using saws. I learned all that here. I didn't get it in high school because I went to private high school. They didn't teach you anything about that. They didn't have a shop or, uh, you know, working on cars or any, uh, nothing. So I had to learn that as I got older, but the woodwork was so satisfying. And when I started, the reason I mentioned this is that it wasn't a passion. I didn't have a passion for something I didn't know. Right. I didn't have a passion for writing. And now I'm working on my third or fourth screenplay. Now, the screenplays I'm writing right now are small, like 20 page scenes for actor friends of mine so that they can get an opportunity to debut their talent, um, which sounds pretty noble. Jed, I hadn't really thought of that. I just thought of it as doing something for someone. But uh, uh, that's very noble. And it's very humble of you to talk about how noble you are, you jerk. Anyway, I didn't I didn't start from a passion. So what I'm trying to say is in all those posts you see that say like, oh, follow your passion. You may not even have a passion. You may have an inkling. And here's another thing that society tells you is wrong. What am I doing here? This soul society tells you is wrong. Maybe just your head tells you is wrong. So whatever the input you have, Western society, whatever it is. You don't have to be in love with the thing you've always wanted to do, right? And you don't have to be like, so for instance, even rock climbing. That was not something that was in my consciousness because I thought I was afraid of it because my dad was afraid of it, right? So I didn't have a passion for it. How, how was I supposed to have a passion for something I didn't know about? Now I'm passionate about it. So even if it's something you just need to experiment with, and that's important, let's say all these hobbies or these things you want to do are just ideas. Maybe I want to learn how to play the piano. You end up hating the piano <laughs> for whatever reason, right? And you find that you want to be a chef. But it started with the trying of the piano. I heard from an incredible author the other day. This is a better illustration of it. Um, she writes children's books. What's her name? Okay, I want to look her up. Judy Bloom is who I was trying to think of. She is a children's uh, book author, and I know nothing of her work, but I listened to her masterclass the other day, which is like a seminar from people who are the best in their field. Now, I don't read children's books. She's in a different demographic, but I thought I wanted to hear a broad spectrum from writers that are excellent in their field. So I wasn't narrowing my search to, hey, what do white guys write about? Which is what society makes you think. Again, why do I keep saying society? But it's what the world makes you think. It's what social media, social media has really become this. It makes you think that I'd only stay in that world. Well, I want to know what she thought. And what she wrote about ideas is something that I've done my whole life. But uh, I didn't know till she said it that it was okay. 
she said she writes down all these story ideas when she's sleeping and dreaming or she's just walking around or in her car, just like me. I can't help. I have a compulsion now, which is good because you should write down the things you think. But I will grab a piece of paper or grab my phone and put it in notes. I have probably 100 pages of comedy notes in my phone, just things that I thought that are funny, and I never use them. What she said, which I thought was really cool, was she said she's probably never used any of the story ideas she's written down. She probably has as many loose pieces of paper as I do. But that furnished the machine in her head to get used to creating that creativity, right? So it's the idea that that was just a branch that fell on my roof. Side note, just kind of environment I live in. I mean, I've heard it called, and I don't love this, but your dream machine. She let her dream machine stay on. And that's what I do by writing and indulging all these things. This show furnishes my inspiration for writing. And for a while there, I haven't been writing. Now I'm writing again. I'm full in it. I'm loving it. But for a while there, I wasn't. And I was doing the show more. And then I was doing comedy the other day on set. So they all feed each other. And that's the point. The original idea was that you don't have to be passionate about something you're not sure about. You really like the idea of ice skating. I only put all these examples out there because I'm trying to get you to, and I'm, I'm hesitant to say write it down because I hated school so much that giving you an assignment is contrary to what I believe in. But, you know, if you have to, write it down. If you're thinking about, well, what am I passionate about yet? I don't know. I don't have any passion. Maybe that's you. It's not me. I've never, I can't relate to that. But uh, most of you can't relate to being, you know, my age, 30, of course, is what I'm calling myself, and not knowing how to read properly. So there are places where we're not relatable. But if you have to, write down the things you've always liked doing, all the things you've liked taking pictures of. Go through your cell phone and see, what do I take most pictures of? Do I take a lot of pictures? Is that something I'm passionate about? And pursue that. You know, see where it takes you. And then probably financially, you don't have, you're not in a position where you can say, okay, I'm going to pursue that full time. Screw my family. (laughs) Not a good attitude. But maybe you can indulge something that gives you a satisfaction in your soul and being that uh, you didn't have before. And that is worthwhile. It breaks that cycle of born, go to school, get a job, die, get out of the way so another idiot can do the same thing. How many generations of those people, those little cogs, need to live before we realize that's not the right way? And I told myself after episode 60, I was going to take the gloves off. And I like gloves. They're great. I use them at the gym. I use them for yard work. But I'm not wearing them right now, as you can hear in this show, because we are not made to just create more money for Disney and AT&T and Apple. That's not the point. You have those products. You enjoy those things. That's fine. But we are not only here for that. At some point, all of those companies were started by a human who had a vision a human who is doing who did this stuff I'm talking about Walt Disney, Steve Jobs, Alexander Graham Bell. All those people were people before it became a anonymous creature that sucks the blood and soul out of humanity for profit. And they're even better than Pfizer and the uh, pharmaceutical companies, but I'm getting a little too preachy here. You already know this. This is not a time where the information's not out there. You know what's up. You know what the world is today, and I'm not going political. What can you do to indulge the things that you love or the things that you think you might even like to live a more expansive, a more beautiful life? 
There's another part to that that is very important, and it's this. I am a person who's pursued my passions for 11 years. When I was a corporate guy, it never felt like me. Even when I was getting promoted and making money and being, you know, I got this like crystal like award once that looked like it was made by uh, Kal-El, or is it Jarell? Superman's dad was Jarell, right? Yeah, by Jarell. It looks like it's one of those ice crystals and it said my name and uh, that I was the number one muckety-muck manager. And I remember receiving that and thinking, oh, wow, this, this feels good. But it didn't feel like me, right? I have an idea of what this Jet Dunlap carbon-based creature's purpose or uh, inherent motivation is. And that wasn't it. And I walked away from it. Point is this. I am now and have been for a long time, inspiring others to do the same, even when I didn't know I was. So if you go out there and you start, even on a hobby basis, pursuing something you love, biking, someone who looks up to you or someone who sees you on Instagram or whatever, sees that and goes, man, that's what I needed to know that I have to follow my passion right now and they become an amazing cyclist or something like that or it just changes their perspective on life and they become a better human. You furnished that passion for them. I had this true life situation recently and I'll have to keep it vague because I don't like calling out my listeners but I had a person reach out to me and there's more than one so if you think it's you, it's not you, even if it is, um, who said they were going through some really tough stuff in life Here's how it started. It's a little more interesting than that. I had been putting pictures up on Instagram, and they are wildly not liked. So if you want to not like my stuff, go to Jet Dunlap uh, on Instagram. So the people who do know them or see them like them, but I don't know how people go viral, unless it's like the coronavirus. I understand how that goes viral. But uh, anyway, that was a little stealth. Stealth? Stealth deprecation? Yeah, stealth deprecation. This person reached out to me or said something about one of my pictures. I love the photos you've been taking. And I said, oh, thanks. How are you doing? And it stimulated a conversation where this individual told me that they started listening to my podcast and that motivated them to go back into the thing that they were passionate about, the art that they weren't pursuing, that they had gone away from because life was too hard. And now they are pursuing their art form and going after it with a renewed vigor that they hadn't had in years because they listened to my show. And this blew my mind because I'm one of those humans that doesn't get appreciation to my face. <laughs> Maybe that's because I deal so much in ego that I don't deserve it. I don't want to self-analyze that much, although I have an entire show based on that. I don't know why this happens, but I had no idea this person was listening to my show. I hadn't been thinking about this person, and there's more than one, but this is a good example in recent. And they had listened to my show, and it had changed their life. And so what I'm saying is that you are changing people's lives without knowing it. And when you choose not to pursue what it is you care about, when you choose the almighty dollar over beauty, over art, over the stuff that humans were made to make, when you choose that, you close the door on other people's dreams. Is that enough to put on you? Is that too much pressure? If it's too much pressure, the guy who told himself, who is me, spoiler alert, that he'd change after episode 60, he's telling you, yeah, put that pressure on yourself. You have all this pressure 
for a job, you know, you get caught up in this minutia of like, when I worked at AT&T, we had these things called boot camps. Uh, like, I don't remember what it was like, called data boot camps or something, where we had to go at five in the morning out to Cerritos to be punished because our employees weren't hitting metrics, the commission metrics they were supposed to, based on some arbitrary number that some stupid a-hole college student who had never done sales, who got a master's degree, came up with. That's convoluted, but what I'm saying is that someone came up with a sales goal and objective that didn't make sense for our clientele at the moment, even though our stores were profitable, and we had to go my uh, assistant manager, Sean Epps, and I had to go at 5 a.m. out to Cerritos, wake up really early, and then go back to our store and motivate our employees after we were punished to do better. I cared about that. Do you see? Do you hear how stupid that is? That whole thing that I talked to you about, you probably don't understand, but that was a huge part of the stress in my life. Like, caused me massive anxiety. It's total and utter part of my language, but bullshit. That's bullshit. And you have that in your life right now. You have some stupid arbitrary thing that you are forced to care about, which you shouldn't be forced to care about, by the way. If you have to do it, do it. If you listen to Eckhart Tolle, he would tell you doing it is a choice, right? But uh, but being stressed about it is also a choice and you don't have to. I didn't have that education at the time and I didn't know or I ignored it. It stressed me out. Don't buy into that. If you have to do the job and you have to make the money the way this guy, Jet Dunlap, would do it now and has done it is I'll do it, but I don't care. I don't care. I didn't get that back then. I actually cared. And that hurt me, hurt my relationship with my wife, hurt my relationship with my family, hurt my relationship with my friends, hurt my relationship with me. Don't do that. It's not worth it. It's BS. And you are looking at someone right now who is passionate about something and they're furnishing inspiration for you, whether it's a movie, whether it's music. Remember, that's people who pursued something they love. And then you heard it on the radio. Do people listen to the radio? Or they, you heard it on uh, uh, iTunes or Spotify or on a podcast with uh, Jet Dunlap called Psychotherapy. little plug. Do I have to plug my show if I'm in my show right now? I don't know. Don't worry about that nonsense. That is not why you were put on earth. Imagine if you died of a thunderclap heart attack when you're being scolded at work by some jerk. Is that how you want to live? You may tell your kids to be different than you, but what are they going to do? They're going to be you. Look at the cycle. This is what happens. I, is this too much of a lecture? You know I'm not allowed to be... Uh, no, this is definitely not. <laughs> Gina and Chris, Gina more than Chris, my two closest uh, advisors on this show, even though Chris drives me absolutely nuts, uh, and Gina actually has been right on. They don't want me to be a motivational speaker. I definitely don't think this is motivational speaking. I think this is mostly pointing out the negative things that are in life and trying to get you to avoid them in a way that is from a guy who's in that world. Remember, I say it all the time, but I think it's worth listening to if you are hearing this for the first time ever. Am I in a clear channel office right now with a guy outside going, Jet, well, when you do the show today, make sure it caters to the client. You know, ZipRecruiter has to start getting their numbers up or they're going to stop paying you. And don't you want to make that payment on your Lexus? I don't have a Lexus payment. I own all my vehicles cash. I own my house cash. I have nothing that has its thumb over me. Nothing. I am telling you what I know to be true from what I feel is just profound truths of the universe. That might sound egoic, but I didn't mean it to. And I think that if you listen to this show or listen to this episode, you know it's not. You were made to create. Do that. You want to, you feel it, and uh, 
It'll make you feel better. But the point of the last part of this podcast has been about you will furnish inspiration for other people. And that's awesome. Even if you don't have it in you right now, look at that thing you're curious about and start doing it. I mean, we have the resources like never before. You're curious about a thing? Go learn how to do it on YouTube. You don't like that video? Go look at another one. I've heard so many people who are thrown off their dream because of one bad thing they saw. Well, I was going to look into that, but I saw a bad YouTube video and I didn't like it, so I didn't do it. That's stupid. I've been there, guys. You know? I'm guiltier than most. That's why I feel I can teach on it. I've done all of those stupid things a hundred times more than you. So make it happen, even if it's in a small thing, even if it's just after this. Turn off this show and go try that thing. And listen, this show was not supposed to be this. The other day, I went to set, and the night before I went to set, I was severely depressed. I was struck with one of those <sighs> waves of terror and sadness and depression before I went to bed. I still have that. I still have those nights because I chemically have that. And there's no cure for that. 17 years of therapy and all the books I've read, there's no cure. What I've learned is the tools to move on. I felt it. It sucked. Right? Just like you going to work this week or you having a hard time with something is going to suck. You can't get rid of that like what this episode is going to be about that tough night for me the next day and i even did one of those uh like on location things where i spoke into my phone this is what the episode was going to be about and i told you about what kind of dread i felt the night before and that day i was going to go to set that'll probably be the next episode but this one just came out of me and i don't know what it is i felt you needed to hear it and anything else i say as usual would end up being minutia so i'm out of those words and that's all I have to say on this. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to me. You are amazing. You are awesome. And your potential is endless. Take it from a guy who's been trying his whole life and knows this. I don't know what that means. That's nonsense. That's complete malarkey. I don't know. That was like, that must have sounded better in my head than it was. I told you I was out of words. I don't know why I keep saying them. So shut up, Jet. You're done. Get out of the way. Play that music. This is psychotherapy. I'm Jet Dunlap. Dun, 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 dun. Hear from you next time.